Welcome to the Mompreneur Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Moran. Just like you, I'm a mom entrepreneur on a mission to live a present and productive life, to be around for all the moments with my kids while also following my dreams and passions. Join me each week as I uncover a new tip or trick that will help you live your life just as you want and with as much ease as possible. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, my amazing mompreneurs. Welcome back to the Mompreneur Guide podcast. I am so excited for today's conversation because it is with my good friend, Kylie Kelly. She is a master at visibility and lead generation, and she's a mom to two boys, similar ages as our kids, and she is just a light and such a good friend. And I love that we talk both mom life and strategy, and we are both learning to dip a little bit into the woo-woo world. And our friend Steph is very good at helping us both <laughs> understand and navigate that space. And so I'm just so excited, Kylie, that we can continue our conversation because we have talked on the podcast before about mom life and we've done Instagram lives together about the work that you're doing. But today we get to dive into this new era of your business. I feel like this this next step from helping women with their maternity leave and being like a CEO mom boss into, okay, but how do we actually bring that into reality? And how do we get our clients there so we can actually serve them? So why don't you share with us, Kylie, just where you were before and where you are now, kind of what that process is to give us some background on why visibility has become like the forefront of your business in the last six months, a year since we had you on the podcast last? Yeah, of course. Well, firstly, I, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be back. It's always really special when you can come back, you know, a second time. So thank mm -hmm. you for that. Um, so, okay. So a little recap, I suppose. So I think visibility uh, has really become such an important element for my business and, and my strategy and my, my life, because when you start a new business, you kind of need to get seen. <laughs> people kind of need to know about you, right? And so when I started my new business, it was at the start of 2022, really. I was a wedding photographer for a decade, decided to then branch into an online space so I could, again, have the life, flexibility, be a mum, all the things that we, we want to do and be for our life. Um, and then so I wanted to help women in some way. So I, I thought that was maternity leave coaching. So I went into that space trying to help women. And then I figured out like so many people, so many women that I was connecting with were struggling. They had these incredible talents, these incredible offers, this incredible mission and, and things that they wanted to do with their life, but no one knew they existed. Their email list was crickets. They were doing all the things on social media. They were trying to get found and it was just exhausting and they weren't getting any results. So I was like, oh, let's change that. Let's figure out how we can actually do it in a way that feels good for us as mums, feels good for us, like in this holistic way that we can get excited about, we can get on board with it, can fit within our life instead of trying to make our life fit around our business, which I know you're passionate about as well. Let's, let's turn it around and do it in a way that feels really good. And so I personally hosted summits, I've done bundles, I've done private podcasts, lead magnets, I've done all these things, testing them myself just to see what worked. Um, P.S. Most of them worked, <laughs> um, but in a way that felt really good. And now I'm helping other women do that so that they can grow their email list so that when they do want to announce a new offer or announce something, there's, there's actually women there or people there that want to hear from them, that want to get to know them, that then want to work with them, which makes all the difference, especially when you have an online business as well. Mm, yeah. I love hearing that evolution of like you were trying things 
not only in your business going from photography to maternity leave coaching to seeing a different need in the market that you wanted to fill because also you felt like you were going through it as well, but had been the one to be like, I'll be the guinea pig. I I can test that stuff. And so I also am curious because I know that there's a through line from it all, from why you wanted to be a photographer to why you wanted to help with maternity leave to why you want to help women now in their businesses. And so I'm curious, have you ever recognized, I've been having a lot of this conversation of like that legacy and that like through line between our businesses so that we don't feel like we're crazy and and trying a bunch of things, but that it makes sense. And I'm curious, have you ever recognized like what that legacy is that you want to leave and how all of these things intertwine and and get that result? Like what is that end way that you want to help other women and in doing whether it's, you know, helping them with lead gen or helping them with their maternity leave, you're accomplishing that goal in both aspects. Do you know, interestingly, I've never sat down to think about it, right? But I think for me, way back when I first became self-employed, I think I was in my mid-20s when I started the wedding photography business, but it was always about living life on my own terms, whatever that looks like, right? And so I was I was a terrible employee. When I had jobs, I had, Megan, I changed them as fast as I changed my underwear. I got bored really quickly. I, I was not a good employee. And so becoming self-employed was kind of a no-brainer in terms of like, I get to control my schedule. I get to control what my day looks like. And I like working hard. I'm very motivated, especially when it's something that you're passionate about, right? So living life on my own terms was a no-brainer back then. But then when I had kids, it's like, it just puts a spotlight on, on your priorities in such a different way. And now I'm even more passionate about it because you know, my boys are little, they're five and two, and I want to be there after school. And I want to be the mum I want to be. And I want to have the relationships that I want to have. And I don't feel like I could ever have that in a nine to five. I'm sure some nine to five women kill it, but I could never do that. That's just not part of my DNA. And so looking back at how that's all sort of transpired over the years, it's always been about control. Maybe, maybe that's a problem. Maybe I'm a bit of a control. It's always been about controlling myself, right? Controlling my own schedule, being in charge of my life. And I want that for other women. I think that that kind of definitely um, went into the maternity leave coaching. Again, having a maternity leave that you're in, con- you're in control of, that's exactly what you want it to be. So that's why I was passionate about that. And then now the visibility piece so that our businesses can be exactly what we need them to be to enable us to live life on our own terms and to be the people we want to be. So yeah, it's definitely, that's an interesting question because it's definitely that thread throughout the last 15 years, right, of figuring out. <laughs> A, what do I want my life to look like? What are my priorities? And then how can I make my work life fit around that and enable me to have have that so that we don't have regrets? Like life is bloody short. I've mm-hmm. as as you and I both know, there's been things even just recently of people passing away young. And I it's it's definitely at my forefront at the moment of just how fragile and short life can be. And so I don't want to waste it, you know, mm-hmm. try work working. 90 hour weeks and trying to build something, trying to create freebies, trying to shop on social, trying to do all the things when I want to be with my kids. So Mm -hmm. that was the long winded answer. (laughs) Oh my God. No, it's beautiful. And like what I hear you saying too, and just knowing the pieces and parts of the story, it's like you want to help women live a beautiful life. And whether you're like photographing them and helping them create that from the wedding aspect, or you're doing it here with their maternity leave or more specifically with their business, I just, I think it's so beautiful that. It's what you want and you're helping other women spearhead that as well. And I just like to reflect on that because I think a lot of the times we get in this thing where, 
well, we said we're doing this and we're starting to do that. And then we feel out of alignment or, or called to do something a little differently or pivot. And we get in this cycle of what in the world am I doing with my life? I thought I had it figured out. And now I'm like, oh, what, what am I doing? And so I talk about this as like a cycle and it's top of mind because I was just writing about it for the book this morning. But it's like you get clarity on what feels good right now and then you take aligned action. But then you have to recalibrate, like just like our kids and their ever growing (laughs) schedules and minds and all of that. It's like it's so cyclical. And I think we forget that sometimes that we are evolving as people. And so there is a through line in everything that we do. And so if we can always kind of come back to center in that way and think like what's important to me, you know, for you living life on your terms and helping other women do that whether you're helping them with lead gen or like the next amazing thing that you're going to assist them with as well. I, I just think it's a beautiful reminder for us when we do get stuck that like we're not alone. A, we all do it. And B, it's part of the process. So like lean into it. Um, yeah. I love that. I think giving yourself permission to change and pivot and try something new. And I, I always, um, you know, I always struggled with that because growing up, it was definitely uh, said in my household of like, you need to finish things, right? Start what you finish. Like, I feel like that was that traditional way of thinking of definitely being a finisher, but there's nothing wrong with stopping halfway. If you're out of alignment, if it doesn't feel good anymore, just stop. Give yourself permission to do something different. Give yourself permission to try something else, to test something else, to see actually what lights you up. You don't have to finish something just to finish it. And I think that that is a powerful place to be, especially as a business owner. And it's kind of what sets us apart from the big businesses, right? Because being small, we can pivot, we can change, we can act fast, we can take fast action. Whereas a lot of the bigger businesses are a lot slower. So I think there's power there, but especially as you know, a female entrepreneur that I'm, I'm learning all about like syncing our cycles, right? And how uh, all of that, like you touched in the intro that how we're, we're being introduced to more woo-woo stuff, which I absolutely <laughs> have started to get obsessed over, but like syncing our cycles and actually realizing that we don't have to work on the same 24 hours that men do. We don't have to work in a certain way just because we've been taught it for our entire lives. There's a different way to work. There's a different way to do things that's not wrong, that can feel good, that can feel easy. And I think giving ourselves just that permission to do things a little bit differently and really listen to what we're telling ourselves or what feels good and take action on that is really important. I love this like permission to pivot concept because I know that we can both raise our hands of, hi, we're recovering perfectionists, so for achiever, <laughs> high achievers, and we're working really hard on that permission piece. And I know, I think I've shared with you that Steph has really opened my eyes to that concept of like permission to do whatever feels good. And I love that you mentioned it too. And so I'm curious, like, how have you worked through that? Like, was it easy and was it ingrained in you or have you had to work that muscle of giving yourself permission? Because I'm assuming that's also what led you to this space where you could move in and freely try all these different lead gens and offer to help women in all these different ways. So I'd love to hear kind of that story of how easy was permission for you, because I know it's not easy for me. (laughs) And, And how did it lead into the work that you're doing? Yeah, of course. No, it wasn't easy for me either because I am a perfectionist. I like to cross my T's and dot my I's and all the things. But I think, I think kind of almost healing that little bit of, uh, I want to say trauma response, but like, so when, so when I was younger, 
I started uni. I thought I was going to be a teacher. I thought I was going to be a primary school teacher. I loved kids back then. That was like my thing. I tried to finish that degree about five or six times. And then it wasn't until I got to like the very last year, I went to a prac and I hated kids. I was like, I, this is horrible. I'm, this is not, I don't want to do this. Like it was, it was not for me. And so through that experience, for a long time, I felt like a quitter, right? I didn't have, I spent all this money. I, had, I owed all this like university debt, didn't have a degree, wasn't doing anything mildly related to education. And I felt like a quitter. And my, bless my mum and dad, but they're very traditional. Like they probably would have thought that I was a quitter too. Um, and so it's been this journey then through entrepreneurship of like the wedding photography space, playing with that, trying things, seeing what worked, giving myself freedom to like actually, you know, change, change direction. Um, and then when COVID hit, when the pandemic happened and I had to let go of that business, I was like, it was freeing. The amount of freedom I felt of like going, oh, I can do this. Oh, I'm okay. I can actually make the decision here. I can make the call. Yeah, it might not work, but this feels really cool. This feels really creative. This feels really good. And so it's been stretching that muscle over the last couple of years of like trying things, seeing how they work, making sure they feel fun. Like life is too short not to have fun and not to play. And, and I think when we get stuck in that perfectionist crossing the T's, dotting the I's, we can't change, we can't pivot, like we get stuck. The energy around us gets stuck. Nothing works. No, everyone can feel it. No one's magnetized to us. We're, we're not making money. Like it feels horrible. And it's so easy to get stuck in that if we don't break through and actually give ourselves permission to play, to try, to have fun, to do things a little bit differently just because. Um, so it's definitely been a work in progress, but I've been working on it I guess the last couple of years and I feel like I'm in a place, especially over the last year of, of where I'll just try anything. I'll just send an email to see what happens. Like it doesn't matter. Like what really, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like I think sometimes we can, yeah, we feel like the outcomes are way bigger than they really are right in our head. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love how you mentioned that of, uh, I didn't know that about you, that you were going to do teaching. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> like I just, I so much love to those amazing men and women who can help with the kids because I've got two and when I see a room full of toddlers I'm like I don't know how you're surviving every day and it's interesting too like I don't know if you've noticed but so many women in this online space were teachers have you mm -hmm. seen that in your connections and stuff that so many women were teachers mm -hmm. yes I and I yeah I have no idea how like I was I was afraid I wouldn't like my own kids after that experience it's like maybe I just don't like children in general but luckily luckily I I, I like my own so that's good They're good yeah yeah it's just so interesting like that through line so many teachers are in this online space and so I just think it's an interesting characteristic that we can teach in different ways and it sounds like when you were forced to pivot your business in 2020 which I was in that same boat as well I think was a good push in a sense that it opened our eyes to these possibilities. And what I heard you saying too is you learn to trust yourself, mm -hmm. to trust that like inkling and, and what feels good and that alignment. And like, I'm curious, one more mom point, and then I want to get into the juice of visibility too and like making that pivot too. But I'm curious, once you started to uncover self-trust, how you now are approaching things differently with your boys. 
because you you had even said, well, your parents probably thought you were a quitter too, and and you had this kind of mindset ingrained because I think that's what we've been conditioned to think that you do the one thing and you get successful at it, and that is achievement instead of we like there's achievement all along and we keep trying new things because they feel good. And that's, like you said, the joy, the fun. That is the achievement right there, no matter what we're doing, constantly choosing that first. So I'm curious if in this whole lovely entrepreneurship learning experience, you're taking away new things that you want to model or share with your boys. Yeah, I certainly am. I think the boys is quite young now, so uh, not that much has transpired into how I'm raising them at the moment, I guess. Um, definitely more in terms of they're, like, they're very outgoing, very adventurous boys. They jump off anything that they can. So I have definitely noticed within myself of trusting their own intuition a little bit more. Like obviously comes with a side note of safety, right, always. But um but, you know, if Spencer, my eldest, if he wants to jump off something instead of saying like, oh, be careful or like, I'll be like oh, you go for it, mate. If you think you can do it, you try. And inside my, my insides are kind of screaming. But I feel like even just giving them or showing them how they can trust themselves, even at a young age is really important and something that I don't think would have happened for myself. Um, but the whole discussion around self-trust is so interesting because I feel like it's something that we're continually learning to do. And I've delved in over the last 12 months a lot into like the human design and all of um, the energetics and that kind of work. And part of mine is like the, the sacral response, right? I'm, I should feel it in my gut, whether it's a yes or no. And it's, it's been a, a really interesting journey, even asking myself simple questions to see how my body responds and then learning how to listen to that. And that's definitely a tool that I've taken um, in, in my business journey. Yes. When I have decisions to make, but also then in motherhood, like what feels good is my it's my gut saying yes or no to this, even simple like invitations, um, which I think has been really powerful and really helped me learn what that feels like and, and how I can use that both in mum life and in, in work life. Mm -hmm. I love that you said listen, because that was a word that came up for me today, too, is like, I think it's so interesting that we're kind of we're born this way. We're born to listen to ourselves and to be like, you know, I'm sure your kids are the same way. Sophia will just be like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is wh why would I not already trust myself and just do the thing that I want to do? And, you know, part of that's toddlerhood. But I do think it's interesting that over time, we as a generation had been conditioned out of that. It's like we're born already with those tools that we need. And then some stuff kind of muddied the water. And so for us to like look to our kids and be able to see, oh, they've already got self-trust and they're hopefully my kids aren't listening to their bodies about nap time, but like they're listening <laughs> to themselves a bit more. And, and then also to help like cultivate that so that those waters don't get muddied down the line for them, I think is just, I don't, it's something that's at the forefront of my mind all the time and making sure. And I do get in a perfectionist trap around it too, where I'm like, don't, don't like muddy them. Don't get any barnacles on them. Like make sure they stay as clean as possible. And I know that that's not going to be a hundred percent possible like they've got to go through their own stuff too but I know our last conversation was all about like duality in motherhood and I just think it's always so prevalent and I just always innately have to talk with you about it because we're friends <laughs> yes it's um oh gosh it's just part of the experience isn't it and I think I think you're right though it's interesting even when I was delving into the human design stuff and I know this is not about podcast about human design but when, we, when I was delving into that 
um, the lady that I was learning from, she said often people, when they figure out their human design, they then try to figure out their, their kids and their husbands and everyone's. She said, don't bother looking at your children because you don't need to know it. They know how they work. Like, yeah. like you just said, they're, they're kind of like pure in that they are listening to their body. They are doing what they think. They are the pure, pure, pure right now without all this human experience of, of decades of baggage that we have, right? And so I think, yeah, it's just really interesting if we can identify that and just come along and support them and, and try to keep them you know, as, as pure as we can and, and let them lead their own experience. Um, difficult, but I think, yeah, I think it's a really powerful place for us to be in this generation compared to our parents that wouldn't have had any of this kind of conversation or education, um, which is just so different. I My mom's doing mindset work too. And so we talk about this all the time and I go, like, could you just, can you imagine a time where you don't have to constantly think about what you're saying? And it's it's all for the better. But like I tell my mom, mom, you don't understand every single word that comes out of my mouth. I'm pre-filtering like 10 times through my mind of, you know, is this the right thing to say? Is it not the right thing to say? Like how how am I saying it the right way? Like you said, instead of saying be careful, it's are you stable? Check in with your body. How do you feel? Does it feel like a good idea? Well, I've got to let you learn, you know. And so I talk with her about that all the time. Like, oh, that must have been so beautiful to not have to like to really think through that i yeah it always mystifies me um yeah (laughs) so okay so we we kind of went through like understanding your alignment and having that permission to pivot and you've made a lot of iterations and so take us up to speed on like all of the the things that you've been trying now and what you've found in trying them in terms of visibility because i know that a lot of the conversation of the shoulds of our industry is all about like micro audiences are great and like you want less people but more engaged and all this stuff and you were making these pivots and you had a smaller audience but you were not feeling satisfied with it you weren't seeing the results that you were looking for so can you kind of walk us through that journey from that point of everybody's saying that it should be a smaller audience but you felt the need and desire to lead Gen more and kind of those results that you saw in doing this practice of visibility that you now love sharing about. Yeah, of course. So I love, I love this conversation because I feel like everybody says that a smaller audience is great, but I, I pretty much could guarantee I could ask anyone if they'd like an engaged bigger audience and they'd say yes, right? Like, well, I, I, don't, I don't think that if we have the choice, as long as they're engaged and we've built them the right way, of course we want a, a larger audience. Of course we want a larger email list. And there's like direct correlation between the income that you make and how big your email list is. Like you see it, how they both trend upwards at the same time. So if we can come to visibility in a way, again, that feels really good, that gets us excited. Um, and we can talk strategies in a second, but if we can come to that place where we can build a larger audience that is engaged, that's opening our emails, that wants to know about us, that wants to hear from us, that wants to work with us, our results are going to be bigger. And as busy parents, especially, you know, mums that are also building our businesses and we're raising our kids and we don't have time to keep hitting the pavement with a small audience to try to make the income that we want to make, especially if we have big goals and the bigger audience there's always going to be the percentage numbers that convert. And so the bigger audience, the less effort to make the same amount of money. So let's just put that out there because I think that's really important that people know that the goal is to have a large engaged audience. Um, and then it comes down to how you want to do it. So 
this is the part that gets to be really exciting. It gets to be really fun because it gets to be exactly what you want it to be, what feels good for you. And I have absolutely fallen in love with anything that's relationship-based because connection, especially after the pandemic, but connection is just so important. And it's as a human species, like we need connection, you know, villagers, people around us, that's where we thrive. And it's the same with business. And so if we can connect and create relationships with people that serve the same ideal clients that we want to be working with, and we can do it in a way that we both benefit, we both get to become friends and learn from each other and and serve each other's audiences, then it just feels so damn good and grows both our audiences at the same time. So there's a few different ways and we can get into all the strategies, but I just think that's like the first step is thinking about, okay, so who do I want my audience, my email list to be? Who do I want on there? Who is my ideal client? Who am I obsessed about? Who do I want to work with? Who do I want to serve? Because sometimes I think too, Megan, when we fall into these like traps of creating a freebie and putting it out there and going on different podcasts that might not be aligned, we then have just like a random assortment of people on our list. And that that's useless because we just want our list to be full of our ideal client we want to work with. So think about who that is. Get really clear. And I don't mean they don't have to be like shop at Target and have 2.5 kids and like, you know, those gross avatars that we sort of grew mm-hmm. up thinking about. Not like that, but who do you want to serve? What's the problem that that you want to help solve and get really clear on that? And then think about who could I partner with? Who do I admire, respect? Who has the same values as me? Who could I connect with that serves these people too, that I can authentically create a relationship with? We're not going to do the Hey Girl DMs just, just so that we can get in their inbox. We're going to actually get into their world and become friends with them and then see what evolves, see what comes out of it. Maybe it is a freebie swap. Maybe it is a summit, a bundle, a collaboration. Maybe it's an Instagram story thing. Maybe there's so many different options, but picking those partners, figuring out who your ideal client is, picking those partners and then thinking about what could be fun is kind of the process that I followed. I love that you brought up what could be fun. Like it all comes back full circle <laughs> because it, it it is so interesting. It's all relationship based and it's like, who do we want to serve? What's the problem? And then who can I partner with so that we can collaborate on serving that person together? And I think it's just so beautiful in thinking, how can it be fun? Because a lot of what's been talked about in this industry is like, OK, what's the freebie? You know, it's very like tactical, the linear, you know, what's the freebie? We're going to put that out. We're going to make the funnel. We're going to do this. But 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 and like there's not as much fun in that. And so the two things that I love that you do, too, is first and foremost, you have a different take on freebies that I want to talk about. But then secondly, you're also having fun in that you continually are changing where and how you're finding these people. Like you mentioned, you've done audio summits and you've done like the private podcast and you've done bundles. You're not just honed in on here's my freebie and I'm going to go share it to 20 million different people, you know. So I'm curious to know, tell everybody your take on freebies and all of the different things that you've tried thus far and, and the success that you've seen with that. Yeah, of course. So I'm not going to say that I hate freebies because they are a necessity to some degree, but I do hate the strategy of having a free resource of putting it out there and waiting three to five years to grow an email list because that, again, as busy mums that are doing all the things, we don't have time to wait that amount of time to grow a decent sized list. So we do need a free resource in terms of, you know, if we go on a podcast and we're a, we're a guest, we need something to direct people to. And our goal should always be to get them on our email list, not to follow us on Instagram because 
we don't own that. Like that could disappear at any time and such, who really cares, right? So we, we always want to get them back to the email list because that is our home base. That is what we own. That is where we can serve them and, and get to know them best. So we do need to have a freebie for, for those kinds of things. But a freebie doesn't have to be a PDF that's 10 pages long. Like think about your ideal client, who they are, how they consume content, what be really valuable for them. And a freebie can be anything. So if, as an example, for myself, my audience is generally busy mums, again, like us sort of building their business. So I know they're not going to sit down and have time to read a 10-page PDF and they're going to probably fall asleep halfway through because they're sleep deprived and that's just not going to be fun for anyone, right? So instead, maybe it is like a little secret audio feed that they can sign up for and listen to, you know, and it doesn't have to be complicated. You simply just need a, a box where they put their name and email address in and an email that sends them an audio file. Like it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be this 10-step funnel that we, you know, everyone says we need to have. But think about your ideal client. Think about the challenges how they consume content, and then create something that feels exciting and that will be easy for them to sort of digest. So freebies uh, have a place, but don't create a 10-page PDF and put it on your website with five years to grow your audience. So I'd like to everyone to kind of get creative with that and think about what would be the best fit for them and for the people that they want to serve. Um, and then your second question about the things that I've tried. So I first dip my toe in the visibility waters, if you will, with my very first summit, which was back in May of last year. Um, and it was, you know, a four-day online event. I had guest speakers come, um, grew my list from zero to 400 with that um, summit. I was hooked. Again, maybe mainly because of the relationship piece, because I got to really network with the speakers. I got to like create really deep relationships with the attendees. So that was really fun. I did a second one then in September and I had 500 women come to that. So I was like, oh my goodness. So like in a matter of five months, I've got almost a thousand of my ideal client on my email list. Like this is wild. But like you said, I couldn't stop there because A, I don't want to be working long hours and I have goals of income and, and things that I want to achieve. And so I need a bigger audience to get there. So um, I didn't stop there. So then I did some private podcast feeds, which was um, if you think about like a niche topic that you want to teach on, you sort of invite collaborators. I know you've done audio summits, you've done similar things where you invite um, speakers on, but it's gated. So people have to sign up to listen to it. So I tried that. That was really good. I think I got about 150 signups each time I did that. And then hold, hold on. I just did a bundle. Now this was like my first experiment in the bundle space because we do see bundles a lot, especially if you're in the business world, they're quite popular. But I was like, you know what? I've seen a lot of pretty shitty ones. Mm -hmm. Ones where they're not that valuable. You sign up and there might be like one or two things. You're like, oh, that's great. But everything else is kind of garbage. So I was like, I'm going to try and create a free bundle that is like really valuable, really juicy, and that people can actually use the resources. Um, so I did that. It didn't take very long to put together. It might have been five to 10 hours of work. Um, I had 25 people collaborate. I charged the collaborators $50 because I was like, well, I might want to play with paid advertising, but I also want to be compensated for my time. So I, I, I charged them $50. Um, I had over 600 people sign up for the bundle, 630 people. And I had so much feedback about how valuable it was. People saying that they'd signed up for bundles before and had never seen the amount of value. And all the contributors have had at least one to 200 people filter through and they still have a month to sign up for everyone's um, resources. So that'll increase. So Oh, so now I'm a little bit obsessed about bundles. So I think that there's, you know, there's no, out of all of that, there's no right or wrong choice. 
I think when it comes down to it, think about again, what excites you? What, what do you want to try first? There's options. How much time do you have? Like a summit is a lot more work than a bundle. Um, if you're a podcast host already, a private podcast series would be a really easy fit to try out. Um, or if you create a free resource that you're excited about, that's a bit different, do a freebie swap with somebody that serves the same ideal audience um, and grow your grow your audience that way and see how that works. But it's all about just seeing what feels fun, trying it out and knowing that if it doesn't feel good, just do something different next time, you know? Mm-hmm. Again, I love the permission too, that permission to try and the permission to play. And I'm curious for you in picking and deciding what you were going to choose, like what, what made you think or how did you understand like, ooh, a summit, that sounds like fun. You know, it sounded like collaborations was a piece there. And then bundle, like I didn't even know bundle was a thing. So I'm curious to know for people listening how they can start to uncover what might be fun for them if they're standing completely clueless. Like, I know I need to do something. I've seen PDFs. I've seen this and that. How else can they start to uncover what they should choose? Yeah, I love that question. I think, again, coming back to who you want to serve and what they need and then just being aware of what's going on as well and maybe being a participant of things, showing up to a few summits and seeing how they run, seeing how it feels. Can you imagine yourself hosting one? How would that feel? Um, and the same goes for all of the different strategies, right? Just being a participant, showing up, seeing how or imagining what it might be like and then giving it a try, not getting stuck like we've already talked about with the perfection mm-hmm. piece, right? Not getting stuck in in the making it perfect, taking fast action, putting it out there, seeing if you get some bites, seeing if people are interested, and then take it from there, pivot, try something different, do it again, mm-hmm. go deeper. I think mm-hmm. that, that's where we get to play and that's where we get to see what feels good, but we don't know what feels good until we try it. Um, but I think even showing up and being a guest or being a, like a participant of things is a good place to start. So you can kind of get the lay of the land, if you will, and see what what might fit for your own personality, your own business, your own ideal clients. That's a beautiful try it on type of method. I love that. I love that. It's easy to do in that you can just try something. And if you're like, oh, I can't see myself doing that. Good thing you didn't actually do it yet. You know, it can be a quick and easy way to do some market research. Last thing I want to hit, Kylie, is this concept of ebbs and flows. And so, you know, you did two audio summits. And you saw momentum, but you wanted more and you, you wanted to try some new things. But also, we know that not everybody stays when you do some type of event like this. So can you talk to us about that other side? Like, what should somebody know when it comes to being visible? Maybe you have a, a rule of thumb in terms of percentage of people who will stay and go. But how do you view that? those ebbs and flows? And also, how do you work through it so that you don't feel like, oh, no, you know, the constriction that comes in with people leaving when your goal was to have the right people come in? Of course. I think this is a great question because it's something that transparently I struggled with when I started. So the very first summit that I did, probably 50% unsubscribed afterwards. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't feel so great, right? But I found as I continue to do more visibility things, whether it's bundles, whatever it is, I've also gotten a lot better with my email marketing in terms of what emails I send and how I'm just being myself and how people, I guess, are feeling on the other end of it. So the unsubscribe rate has definitely gone down. Um, the last, so the bundle, I've, I actually haven't been looking, but I don't feel like that many people have unsubscribed yet. Um, and then there's this conversation around like, well, 
if they're going to go, they're going to go. They're not the right people, right? So it's getting our head and our heart around being unattached to that. And I wish that, do you know what I wish? I wish that convert, so I use ConvertKit for my email service provider. I wish you could hide who unsubscribes. Like I don't need to see it. I don't want to see it. I wish you could actually hide that data. Um, that would probably do my my mindset, my mental health <laughs> a favor. But it's yeah. getting to this place of where we can be disconnected to it because if they're not going to stay, we want that we want to wish them well and let them go because they're not they're not going to want to know you. They're not going to want to buy from you. They're not going to be the people we want to serve anyway. So, um, and I think this is where I think this is where we need to be continually doing different strategies that feel good for us. I see so often people. Um, launch to their email list a, a new offer a new course a new something and then they'll launch it again but they haven't done any list build in the middle and then so they're just launching to the same people and then people are leaving and it's it's this like cycle of frustration right where they're not getting the results because they're not doing the list build they're not actually adding to their audience in between the launches so I think that for anyone joining us that are, is planning a launch also plan the list build the visibility piece that comes after it so you can be continually adding to your audience between your launches so you have fresh new people in there um, to actually launch to rather than the same people over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's yeah such a such an important point and I'm curious too about the secret sauce there. So you said that you tried you you did the emails and then you realized how to tweak them and how to better support and speak with your new audience members. And so I'm curious if there's any like secret sauce things that you learned as you've tried all this lead gen and you've seen really continual growth like in an upward trajectory because the bundle has been the most subscribers that you've received in one foul swoop. And so what is something that you've learned that you can help other people speed through in this next process for them of how to make it so that people want to stay and filter themselves maybe more easily on the front end. Yeah, of course. I think the biggest sort of game changer for me was adding a welcome sequence to my emails. Um, so without getting into two of the masculine right of work sequences and funnels and all that, all that jazz, um, I feel like having just three or four emails that go out after a collaboration or something has ended or when somebody lands, you know, fresh from somewhere else onto your email list, having a welcome sequence, it just they're short, you know, they're not long emails. I think sometimes we write way too much in our emails, but they're short, but just introducing who you are, what you do, what your mission is and what they can expect. How often are you going to be emailing them? And I always like to sort of put in there and preface that, you know, you're going to be getting free offers, but also paid stuff that I'm going to create. I'll be sharing both with you so that from the outset, they know you're a business. They know how often you'll be emailing. They get a little bit of an insight into who you are. I always like to inject some personality um, and it kind of just sets them up for then this beautiful relationship. Um, I also love adding something that they can reply to in the PS of the emails. Um, and it can be something really random. Like in the last one, I had to try and find a GIF of someone celebrating and I was like, oh, I really need to create my own GIFs. PS, does anyone know how to do that? Because I have no idea. And the amount of replies I got back and I feel like it's just opening yourself up to communicate with your with your email list, not just looking at the numbers, but they're, they're real people, right? They're the people that you want to get to know. So having these conversations and actually replying back to them and they're like, oh, you actually replied, like no one does that, is the, the best way to build up this audience of um, engaged, you know, people that, that you're doing business with. And I think it's just one of the missing pieces that I didn't know back then. I, I was very black and white and, oh, you have to write this and you couldn't really sense much of my personality, whereas that's kind of definitely in something that's evolved as I've gotten better at it. And 
that welcome sequence is a definitely a massive piece that's that's made the change with that unsubscribe rate as well. I think it's so beautiful that you realize like personality needed to come in because your focus is so much on the relationship. It's not just any type of lead gen that you're doing. Like you recommend connection and relationship building. And so it only makes sense that to continue that and to find more people who also want that, you have to have that two-way street. And and that's where you've seen even more and better conversion. And I just think it's so beautiful. And Kylie, I know this is something that you're supporting women with, like we talked about, that you are all about helping them with lead gen and that you even have your own club all about it. So why don't you tell everybody all about that and how they can jump in and you can support them and then we can move into the rapid fire questions. Of course. So this was like one of those shower thoughts. Like I think they're always the best, right? But I had this thought in the shower that I wanted to support women at a price that was accessible for many that I could share this stuff with them. So it's called the Spotlight Club. We actually officially kick off on the 1st of March and it's an ongoing monthly membership to learn all about these different visibility um, strategies. So we have, every month we have a different training on a different theme. I'm providing templates and swipe copy. And my intention is that you'll be able to watch the training, take the resources and take action straight away. So it's not something that you kind of have to sit on and, and you need more information, right? To be able to action, you can go and do it straight away, see how it feels, see what the results are, and then come back the next month to learn a different strategy. And together, we're going to be growing um, your audience and I've got a Q&A and it's just, it's just going to be so fun. I'm so pumped for it. So you can definitely come and, and check it out. So the Spotlight Club just over on my website, um, I'm sure Megan will put the links in the show notes, but I would love to Love to support as many women as I can to grow their audience in a way that feels really good for us. Mm, such gold. I can't wait for everybody <laughs> to get to check it out. And yeah, there will be all the links in the show notes to make life so much easier because <laughs> mom life, we need to be able to just click and move on. Kylie, let's hop into the rapid fire questions. Does that, that sound good? Yeah, yeah, of course. Awesome. All right. Talk to me about strategy. What is your favorite strategy to help you be more present and productive? Oh, I love this. I think for me, I am learning that whole like 80-20 rule, right? And what are the needle movers in my business? So Spencer, my eldest, has just started primary school. So suddenly I have limited hours to get a lot done. Um, well, not a lot done, the right things done, right? So it's working out what's actually going to move the needle and just making sure I tick those things off and then be happy to close down at 2 p.m. to go and do the school, school pickup. So that's probably the thing that's making the most difference right now. Mm, I love that. And again, there's that fun and happiness. I love that it keeps <laughs> circling back. All right. Tell us what is the number one essential support you have that you can't live without? Coffee. That would have to be. I, I, I just have my husband deliver a, a coffee back to my desk. I, seriously, I don't think I could live without that right now. <laughs> Are you a Gilmore Girls fan? If you watch, do you know my obsession? Yeah, not in a long time, but yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> There's that one quote where she's just like, I need it in an IV. Like, just I, I need it to breathe. I need coffee. I feel like that's you. A hundred percent. Yes, I identify with that. <laughs> uh, I love it. Tell me, what's your go-to self-care activity? When you have a little bit of me time, what do you like to do with it? Uh, I probably, so I joined a Pilates studio. I say that with trepidation because I haven't been in about two weeks and I'm feeling feeling the results of that. So ideally, a Pilates class is amazing. But even just 15 minutes of quiet, of like not being stimulated to be honest at the moment, like I think with life being in a place of change with our routines, I'm feeling quite overstimulated quite easily. So even last night, I just sat in our bedroom after the kids had gone to bed for 10 minutes and just had no one talk to me and touch me. And I just sat there with a glass of champagne, which was lovely. 
I just read a book and had some quiet. So that's probably where I'm at with self-care. I couldn't understand more. <laughs> that was me last night as well. <laughs> All right, tell me your most stereotypical mompreneur story. Think like kids running through a Zoom call with underwear on their heads. What's a funny thing that's happened in your mompreneur journey that all of us mompreneurs will shake our heads and be like, yep, we understand? Oh, so I have plenty of those being on calls and getting interrupted. But I think the thing that just came to mind, which is kind of disgusting, so I don't know if, I, if this is what you're looking for. But when we were on a flight, so my family lived in the state and we were flying back when Spencer was a baby to go and visit them or we're coming home. And I just felt something on my arm. So you know you know that moment as a mum when you're like, something's just happened and that's not meant to be there. And he had the biggest poo explosion. Like, I've never, I've ne it, it's the only time it has happened to that degree. And we actually had to go straight. I had to wrap one of the wraps around him, around me, <laughs> get to the bathroom and yeah. So that's probably like, <laughs> came to mind for some reason straight away. But you know that you know that's like a, every mom has dealt with that in one way or another. Um, a thousand percent. Yeah. Them. You. We were just a couple months ago. We were um, potty training Sophia, and it it went well until it didn't go well. And the didn't go well is when all of a sudden she had her underwear on, and I looked down at my arm and I was like, Oh no, we're done. Put the diapers back on. We will try again another time because I am not going to have to throw another pair of underwear out for this like oh gosh yes only only us moms know exactly what that feeling is like being like oh come on oh i just need to lay down like oh and then it will click you'll find that we just that one time when she's ready mm -hmm. and it'll just click and then you'll be done yeah. yeah so i'm not gonna push it if i don't have to but i totally understand Kylie, you are the best. Thank you so much for coming on and having just this candid conversation about mom life and entrepreneur life and visibility. It's all so important. And I just love that you are walking the walk and talking the talk and doing all the things to support us women. You are the best. Well, thanks so much for having me. I, I love you and I loved being here. So thank you. Right back at you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. You have no idea how much your listenership means to me. If you loved what you heard, would you mind leaving us a review? It'll help get these episodes into more mompreneurs' earbuds and into our community. Ready to get your next season or project done? Then you need to check out the studio. It offers a creative, collaborative, and Instagrammable space for mompreneurs to batch their podcasts and beyond. Head to themompreneurguide.com slash studio to learn how to cut your marketing time from three months to three days so you can spread your message and mission on autopilot while enjoying the work and people you love most. See you next time.